Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Financial Fitness Friday of the Real Investment Show. I'm Rich Rosso, CFP, along with in the bunker, Danny Ratliff, CFP. Still in the bunker, doing well. Still here. Yeah. I like your bunker chair. Danny's got a pretty cool uh, Dr. No sort of James Bond kind of chair, which we will be talking about. Uh, You know, Brent and I do share a love of all things James Bond, but I'm a little concerned about Daniel Craig's commentary. And I still need to see No Time to Die, and I still will, because I've been waiting for it for a while. Um, Speaking of No Time to Die, the market doesn't seem to. We seem to be buying on the dips. Now, people would say, gosh, we're going through some sort of a rough patch here. But let me tell you, it is for now just noise. The Fed is probably going to look to curtail their asset purchases, which you think would have been done by now since we're going to have this rip-roaring economy. I'm full of sarcasm today, Brent. I've I've had a daily dose of sarcasm. Um, So we're going to look to reverse our easy money policies says Mr. Powell. So, uh, again, $120 billion in monthly purchases of treasuries and mortgage securities at a time when we really don't have much of an emergency, allegedly. So, obviously, they think we're stupid. This is one of those deals where it's very reminiscent to me in some ways, looking back to after the financial crisis in 2008, where we had plenty of opportunities to take some of the chips off the table, and it just wasn't done. And if we have such good economic data, why have we not started this process already? And I think we all know the answer. I mean, this is it's, we, we know exactly why, because Powell still remembers what happened back in October of 2018, when the last time he tried to raise interest rates, the last time that he said, hey, we're a long ways from neutral. And so I, I think that he may have a little bit of PTSD from that market whipsaw we saw back then. Yeah. Could be PTSD. Could be that just like most in these at these levels, they're totally disconnected as to what they're creating and the moral hazard they're sele- or they're creating by keeping rates so low for so long and con- continuing emergency uh, procedures at a time when you know if you're going to wait for the all clear, uh, if inflation's not telling you that. Um, you're going to perhaps be behind the eight ball. So what I think, and, and, and Lance has alluded to this, you're going to just see a market that's just sort of churning here. Uh, we do see buys on dips faster than ever. We haven't had a 5% pullback in oh, probably over 230 to 250 days. Uh, all unusual, but not that unusual when you consider the fact that there's nowhere else to place your money. And there's much, not much competition for it, along with the Fed and along with a generation of younger investors that seem to embrace the market, which, Danny, again, is very different than what we saw after the financial crisis. That generation really didn't trust stocks. Now, this generation doesn't trust Wall Street, but embraces the market as a way to democratize the process. And as we talked about and as a client had said, which I think was really astute, the gamification of, of investing uh, that Robinhood has created, you know, 
place a trade and the confetti falls down. Um, you'll be able to play like Mortal Kombat and your your guy will be slashing a sword on one hand and placing a trade for AMC on the other. That's that seems to be where we're going. So if I'm gamifying things and um and um and it's just bits and bytes, then virtual land uh, the purchase of virtual land makes sense. The purchase of crypto, whether or not it's going to make it or not, makes sense. These are people trading amongst themselves in their own little bubble, just like Wall Street does. So, you know, I sort of understand the sentiment. I just don't know what it all breaks. That's well, that's you, the issue. It would be nice to see them trade in things with intrinsic value. I think that's the issue, what it all comes down to, right? Yeah, um, that would be uh, – you know, the thing is, Danny – when you think about it, what has intrinsic value today when it comes to stocks? What, you know, we have to be invested, but we don't go into markets as a firm you know, telling you it's different this time. We don't go into markets with these rose-colored glasses. We provide this eagle-eyed kind of holistic view, not bullish or bearish. It, we just look at the what I consider the is-what-it-is scenario. Um, but you, it really does make you wonder what really is not distorted in price because almost everything is. And you ha mm. I, I, I rival you to think of a time when every asset class has been distorted in price, you know, or all industries distorted in price. Um, maybe energy, not as much, but for the most part, you are. Right. It's usually one industry, one sector. It's real estate or it's technology or it's an or an or there's no or now. Everything seems to be distorted in price. And that's troublesome for most households when they go to the grocery store, especially because those price hikes that you see aren't going away. The, the price hikes are very real. I don't know about you, but I've actually had to go in recently. We've adjusted um, clients' distributions because, mm -hmm. you know, usually what we do within our financial plans, we're yes. assuming that you get a pay raise each and every year. And look, that doesn't – I've never had a client give themselves a raise each and every year. But we want to play devil's advocate, be on the conservative side. I have had more come to me in the last several months asking to increase uh, their distributions probably than ever. And I think it's twofold. One, you know, they feel pretty good because markets have cooperated. Yes. But two, you know, the bigger thing has been, you know, the resounding story has been that, you know, things are getting more expensive. Absolutely. And I think that's here to stay. I think so. And I've experienced the same thing after many, many years. When we get back, I have a, I think, a cool story to share with all of you. In addition to that, James Bond, cheap, the cheap martinis for his kids. Hmm. We're going to talk about that when we return here on Financial Fitness Friday of The Real Investment Show. We will be right back. And welcome back. Before we get to James Bond, mm -hmm, likes to spend extravagantly on women, but maybe not his children. So this week, uh, you know, every week we speak to, gosh, I don't know how many people we speak to every week. And it's a great honor to do that. And um, I spoke with this sweet elderly lady the other day. She lost her husband not too long ago. And um, I asked her about her life. 
you know, one of the things that our advisors do is, as I write stories, I'm in the middle of writing this Western right now. Um, I'm always interested in stories, people's lives, which is what it comes down to, right? Um, so her life, her family, her kids, and what drove her, because she's still working at 70 years old. And she didn't even wait to give me an answer, Danny. She just said to keep my mind busy. And she shared with me that she goes, my family thinks that we have money, but little do they know we had money for what only what we needed to have. Um, we didn't want for much. We did, I do, have everything. And I needed to think about that for a bit. Now, I will tell you, there's no great fortune here. This is a woman who lives on Social Security and this part-time job. What she does have, she'd like to leave to her two grandchildren, unlike you, Daniel Craig. Um, so she's fit her life into these long-term values to live quiet within her means. She's, she also smelled like lemon cookies. Um, I like that too. Um, but I felt, I mean, yeah, I do like lemon cookies, especially the uh, girls. Is that the key to long life, Rich? I think it is. Lemons are great okay. um, antiseptic. Um, I, wanted her, I wanted her to know um, deep inside I was sort of envious of her, this, this, this quiet existence and how she found happiness overall because money was not the top of the list. It, if it, and I think about this every day, Danny. If it weren't for clients, I wouldn't have simple but great stories. We, we all do. Uh, I think the best advisors do. And I get lost, you know, I, I, it would, it's tough to maintain perspective with all this stuff that is going on in our country and what's going on overall in the world. It's really tough to get grounded and lose perspective. And I got, you, know, you get lost in the you know what sometimes, right? Everybody does. And um, I don't think I'd be able to write fiction, nonfiction, whatever I do. Without these, these, these stories, I would be less grateful. So I said to her, I mean, we couldn't help her. She's done everything right. She took Social Security at 70. She knows she has a long life expectancy. She works out. So she says, what should I do? And I said, I only have one thing to say to you. That's it. And she goes, only one thing? I said, yeah, I'm really proud of you. I'm really proud of you. And then she hugged me and she looked at me and said, oh, I know. She goes, I see it in your eyes and eyes never lie. And that was another lesson I got. So every day you got to be grateful for something because of you strip it down to what's important to you. So that, that, that was a really a uh, meeting this week that uh, with all the fires that I had and, um, all the stuff going on that sort of pushed me into perspective a little bit. I mean, right? I mean, think about all these people's stories, how they build their wealth, how they live their lives, how they define happiness, you know, what their kids mean to them. Unlike Daniel Craig, really having a hard time with this. Um, so I'm going to transition to this story where Mr. Bond, and I do, let me say this. And people are going to yell at me and scream at me. I think Roger Moore was one of the best James Bonds. I also really like Daniel Craig because in the books, James Bond was sort of debonair, but he was really sort of rough looking. 
he wasn't this perfect kind of Pierce Brosnan dude. So you got this story. Daniel Craig says, I don't want to leave great sums to the next generation. I think inheritances are quite, I think inheritance is quite distasteful. How do you say that as James Bond? Quite distasteful. My philosophy is to get rid of it or give it away before you go. So James Bond is reported, you know, Daniel Craig's a really good actor. I've followed him for a long time, worth probably about $160 million. And Danny, I'm going to have you come into this, but the one thing I will say, I'm not judging him for this because everybody's got different goals for their money. Warren Buffett, I think, does the same thing, Danny. I don't think he's, he's providing his inheritance and Bill Gates to their kids. Um, so some of these, you know, multimillionaires, billionaires are saying, you know what? I don't want to leave this kind of legacy to their children, uh, to my children. I just don't want to do it. What, what, are your, what are your thoughts on Mr. Bond? Are you going to be Dr. No? Goldfinger? Well, what do you? No, I, I think that this is one of those deals where, you know, one, it makes good PR that, look, I'm very wealthy. I'm going to give funds away. I, I'm interested to see what really happens at the end of the day. You know, what what comes to fruition now mm -hmm. that doesn't mean i'm not saying he's disingenuous here with what he's saying but he may be doing it in different ways he may be gifting over his lifetime he may be investing in companies that his children have to give them a leg up in life i mean there's many different ways that people can accomplish this so you know i, I think it's admirable in some ways it's you say hey you know what i want you to pull yourself up by your bootstraps i want you to understand life and um you know i, I think that's a great thing but i also think that you know having um that backdrop and somebody who can help you in the way that he can is it's life-changing right and i think we all want what's best for our kids regardless of economic situation currently that somebody's in you want them to do better than you and i would assume that that's probably similar to you know i i don't know i don't know what it is to what it's like to have that type of wealth but um i do know people who are very wealthy like that and and i see that they have that inherent same value system that they want their kids to do as well or better. And they want the security for them and to pass on and create legacy for generations. So, you know, I, I don't know. We'll see how that plays out. Yeah. But you are hearing more and more movie stars and people in the limelight coming out and saying things very similar to this. Yeah. And I think there's an element to the self-sufficiency. Let me see how they handle. He's got a lot of young children. Let's see how they handle money. Correct. Right. Like, a, like you said, a lot can change overall. Maybe he's looking for some sort of validation or proof. Now, again, this is just anecdotal, and this is my own experience. I know a lot of people your age to my age who have inherited great sums of money, and they seem right. to have no purpose when they get up in the morning. Uh, I know some of these people, and they don't. Like, in other words, I always wonder, is it really good for, to leave your child this kind of money? Um, because I see from my own experience with some of, some of them that I know, and I don't understand how that operates in your brain, that when you wake up in the morning, you have no direction to go. I think that, that that's pretty scary um, overall. So, um, so I get that. Um, very much so. Oh. So to your point, but, let's give him the benefit of the doubt. Um, correct. You never know what he's going to do. You know, there are ways, and listen, when you create your financial plan, you will know what kind of legacy you want to provide. We always say, 
you know, it's nice to gift children and grandchildren while you're still here. And part of it is, one, you really get to see how they operate with the money. Are they good stewards? They don't know. You're putting them through a test before more money is provided, whether it's through death, whether it's while you're here. So the gifting part is a joy to that. Um, there are people that will set up charitable trusts, you know, maybe charitable remainder trusts. Their children will get an income for their lives, and then money goes to charity. In other words, they don't have access to all of it, but just maybe a certain amount of income that's generated every year. And then the monies go to the charities of their choice. And then there are parents that will say, listen, my kids are self-sufficient. They don't need their money. I'm going to leave it to my grandchildren. Uh, and, and maybe through a college funding or a testamentary trust where they can't touch it until age 30 or whatever it is. So whatever your legacy intent is, even if there's no legacy intent, Daniel Craig needs to have an estate plan. How many times do you notice these stars don't? Like, because they're never going to die. Like Aretha it's Franklin, terrible, terrible. All the wealth that she had, she wound up giving like 50% of it to the government, first of all. Simple things she could have done to save estate taxes. People fighting over, you know, who gets what. Children wondering what's going on. No wills. I mean, just aimless stuff. So Daniel Craig's going to have an estate plan. No matter what. Well, he should um, leave it to. I also think that depending on your influence... As a parent, say you're in an industry, as your child gets older and maybe gets inter interested in that industry, maybe you are the person who introduces them to other people as long as obviously these children stand on their own with their own skills. In other words, parents, influential parents might be able to open doors. They may not give you cash, but if I'm Daniel Craig's daughter and I'm somewhat attractive uh, or son and I'm very smart, do you think maybe Daniel Craig being my dad could open doors that I don't really need the cash? That could happen. There's got to be some real benefits to that, you would think. I would think so um, overall. But I'm not judging, again, because everybody wants to do something different. It became really a big headline this week. Like, obviously it was a judgy thing. I can't believe it. So, you know, it gets him strong publicity right before No Time to Die comes out. So it was sort of a smart move because it puts Daniel Craig in the limelight. But don't fret your, your legacy. If you don't want to leave it to your children because of certain reasons, you've got them. We want to help you plan for them. That, there is no judgment there overall. Hey, we get back. We want to talk about some simple estate planning rules. And one of my big crushes in the 70s and the 80s, Tanya Robertson, how she left her entire estate to her common-law husband. Mm, it's not a good speller, too. That sort of turned me off. Uh, we get back here on Financial Fitness Friday of The Real Investment Show. If you haven't checked out Real Investment Advice, we've updated the website looks Bleak. It looks great. A lot of information. You can also get market commentary um, that you can sign up for and get into your inbox. Just another thing you need. Another email. But this one you open and you read. So it looks really good. 
A um, lot of our events showcased there. Speaking of events, we are going to have our retirement right lane class in person on Saturday, September 18th. That's from 9 to 11 a.m. at the Hyatt in the Woodlands. So this is our two-hour class. Some of you have come to that. Uh, I talked to someone yesterday who was very excited. That comes to a lot of them who's coming to this one. And uh, there's something to live events that Danny and I really enjoy. But this is if you are getting prepared for retirement, you need to understand what's even changed post-pandemic for Social Security, Medicare, tax-efficient withdrawals, all the different things you need to learn. You can sign up at Real Investment Advice right now. That's our free class. You got to prepare to stay a couple hours. It's 9 to 11. Um, but it'll be good to uh, get back into the fray of that. Right, Danny? Absolutely. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. We always get to visit with so many good people and understand, you know, what's going on and impacting people, you know, from a tax perspective right now, I think a lot of people are, are very concerned. Uh, distributions, how do you protect assets? And then what do you do in a year where you've had 49 new highs? How do you invest in that type of market? Um, so talking about all those things, I think is so important. Those are the questions we get frequently. And so, you know, getting back out face to face with people, I think is, is uh, very, very welcomed at this point. I think everybody's tired of being cooped up, but also cognizant and aware of all the things that are going on. So certainly going to you know keep everyone safe and at a distance. Yes, absolutely. Um, also keep in mind that um, you're going to learn something. You're going to learn something if you walk away with one fact. That is enough. If it prevents one decision that you were going to make because someone in financial media or a mainstream financial uh, firm told you, and you changed your mind, then it works. So we're talking about a lot of the estate planning stuff today. And um, former Bond girl, because I'm, I'm stuck in the Bond realm, Tanya Roberts. But I loved her in a movie called Tourist Trap, which is a really bad B-horror film with Chuck Connors, where mannequins sort of come to life. Um, she was very engaging in that. Um, but she died in January at age 65. And she left behind a handwritten will that made sure her pet goldfish and two dogs got taken care of, which is sort of what I would do. Sans the goldfish and add another dog. But here's the thing. She had a handwritten will. Handwritten or what we call holographic wills are very, very common. I see them a lot in Texas, especially with the old school I wrote it out. Well, guess what? They're valid, right? If they're in the testator's, uh, if they're in the person's handwriting, right? And signed by him or her, could be even signed with an X. But this, um, you know, you don't think these kinds of wills, Danny, would pass muster, right? In this world of litigation and, legal stuff and all this other, that these holographic wills are valid in several states, including Texas. Well, they, they are, but they also leave a lot of question marks, right? <laughs> yeah, because you're those, never going to cover issues. everything, right? <laughs> Correct. Well, not, not only are they not 
likely going to cover everything, but they're also going to be easily contested, mm-hmm. um, at least tied up in litigation for a period of time, like you mentioned. I mean, that's one of the bigger things I think that we want to avoid when we discuss probate and all the things that the issues that can arise in this an estate plan. And so while it's, it's much better than nothing, absolutely. You know, if you don't have a will, go go do this right now. Go make a holographic will um, in your handwriting. Make sure you, you list out all the details. But you do need an estate plan, especially if you have you've accumulated assets and, you know, you work so hard. So this is one thing that, you know, estate plans are, are like a four letter word. Nobody wants to discuss them. Nobody wants to to think about them because we want to live forever. And of course, but you work so hard. I mean, how many people do you visit with that are so meticulous on their spending their accumulation, where they're putting funds, um, preparing themselves for, you know, bad times for retirement, but they fail to actually put something in place that protects those funds that they're working so hard for right now. And that's an issue. They do. And you have to keep in mind that if you're doing a handwritten will, um, I mean, I think that's your last resort. That Correct. That's not, because you you know, unless you have just, you know, like Tanya Roberts, I think, just had these personal possessions and her animals in the house. Like, no real cash, nothing, uh, you know. You see, read about a lot of movie stars that have really have not been very good stewards uh, of their own money. Uh, like Brett Butler, who's been an actress for a long time. I mean, she blew through $25 million and she's got to go fund me to pay her rent. Um, she was just on The Walking Dead, too, and doing pretty well there. And, you know, you're a human being. You can make bad decisions with your money. It doesn't matter if you're a star or not. But you should look at a, you know, even a will. We're always the old school where you want to have a standard-typed, witnessed will, self-proving affidavit that you're going to get most likely from an, an attorney. There are will services that are available, uh, right? You can go to LegalZoom, right? You can create wills for 39 bucks online and all that. If I did that, I would still bring it to an attorney to make sure I didn't miss something. But um, I just noticed that there are a lot of people that I talk to that are very comfortable, especially in Texas, with handwritten wills. Um, obviously in other states too, um, overall. So when you think of your estate plan, everybody thinks of complicated stuff. Oh my gosh, you know, how does that work? And, you know, there's the state tax exemptions and all that. Listen, you gotta, you gotta look at the basics first. A will is a basic. Who do I want to leave my money to? I don't want the state to dictate it, right? Sure, wills can be contested, but if they're done well, they could be rock solid and tough to contend, right? Some people might use a revocable living trust in place of a will because it doesn't go through probate and it, ha- it goes directly to the people you like. They're a little bit more expensive to place. There's no real estate tax benefit to revocable living trusts, but what they do provide is one, privacy, right? I, I can't look up the pro- what happened in the, in the trust after you pass, unlike what happens when wills get probated. So I do get privacy, and I don't have to go through the process of probate and possible content, uh, contested uh, element of it, right? Um, 
So some people say, you know what? I'm willing to pay $2,500, $3,000, especially if I'm in a state like, say, New York, like where my heirs can die by the time the probate's done, right? Texas is pretty decent. But the privacy factor, Danny, I think with revocable living trust might be beneficial. And those are the things you got to think about. When you hear the word trust, you think it's to save the state planning dollars and a revocable trust is not that. But just the simple titling of accounts can affect your estate plan, right, Danny? Absolutely. You know, this is one of those deals that we mentioned goes overlooked. And I work with a really good estate attorney, and he mentioned, you know, one thing he starts off with conversation says, look, this is your your life story. You have a book here. And, you know, we're just filling out a chapter of what happens when you're gone. And I think it's a really good way to think about it is that we're just filling in a blank page here of, of where you want those assets to go and being able to protect them, keep them out of the public's eye, depending on especially on how much wealth you've generated, um, being able to make sure that you protect these funds for your heirs. That's big to leave that legacy intent and do so in the in the right way by either using the trust, using a, um, you know, inside of maybe a, a limited uh, partnership, um, you know, family limited partnerships you hear spoken of frequently. And here's the thing, too, though, Rich, is that many times we hear all these things and everybody will tell how many people do you know that have a trust that don't have any need for it? Like whatsoever. Oh, a lot of people. Probably a lot. And, a lot. you know, I've, I've had people who've gone and seen multiple attorneys. I said, look, guys. You know, my, my grandson, my son said I need this. My daughter, whoever it may be, said I need this trust. And, you know, like, I really don't think you need this, but let's talk to an estate planner who's that's their area of expertise. And we may sometimes we've talked to multiple until finally we get to the one person says, yeah, I'll take your money. I need it. And so just because we're talking about all these things, don't think that you have to run out and create some big, huge, sophisticated, fancy estate plan. It may just be as simple as a will that creates a, a testamentary trust. It may be very, you know, basic things. You know, the basic thing we want to make sure that everybody has in place is is what, Rich? It's a will. It's power of attorneys, medical directives. I mean, all the basics are where you need to start, build that foundation. And if you have generated and accumulated enough wealth, that's when I think you need to get where you're getting into more of the the sophisticated planning, which can add up. Like you mentioned, it starts to get get expensive. But yeah. It's a lot cheaper than, than having it go the wrong way when you pass. Exactly. We're going to continue this a little bit about what you need to look at from an estate plan. You don't need an attorney to examine what we're going to talk about in our last segment here. Oh, went fast. Oh, the real investment show, Financial Fitness Friday. Stay tuned. You know, at the end of summer's coming, not here in Texas, right? We still have until January. But falls in the air. I'm already getting all the Halloween ads on Facebook. Starbucks has their pumpkin spice latte and apple cider latte. And not that I'm drinking any of that, but um, but it's coming. You know, it's coming. It's like this old joke. There were two zombies, and uh, they're talking to each other, and the leaves are falling, and it goes, and he's got a. He's got, a mouth, he's got a hand in his mouth, and he goes, and one of the other zombies goes to the other guy, hey, what does that taste like? Pumpkin spice? <laughs> right? It's going to be that time of year. But it's also time to sort of put together your last quarter financial checklist, things that you need to know or start, you know, sort of tying up the loose ends for the end of the year. I cannot believe how quick this year has gone. Right, Danny? Yeah, it has flown by, you know, and I thought last year was quick. This year, I think, has gone by even quicker. 
I mean, it really has. Um, and to your point, I think it went a little slower because we were all confined, even though it did go quick. But this one was like hyper speed. Um, mm -hmm. Yesterday, I met with clients who do their, you know, before you set up this, when we used to set up the space shuttle, you would do all these mathematical equations so that you would launch successfully. Part of that ability to launch in retirement is to create a micro budget. And I have one client, uh, clients I met with yesterday that are doing that. Uh, great job analyzing their spending. So they use that last quarter of the year to really go through the budget and look at what they've spent. And then what they're waiting for is they do everything on credit cards and pay them off um, for, for points and so forth, right? There is a way to use credit cards wisely. They get a great spending report from the credit card companies, Danny. And they're going to be able to match up. But now they're starting to do their preliminary of how are we spending, how are we trending so far. I thought that was a really good, hey, what, are, what has trended, especially with people going out and all that, where have we spent the most money this year? You can really start to get a handle on that, don't you think? Yeah, I think that's a, it's it's a fantastic idea, especially coming out of summer. You know, this year things have looked different. You know, finally people are getting back out again, and so maybe spending habits have begun to change. Um, really getting a good understanding, I think, going into the fall is a, an important thing, especially going into a new year here in just a couple of months. Rich, um, you know, this is crucial to understand, and really, like you said, that micro budget. You know, one of the things we see with people who are really successful with retirement is actually trying to do a, a kind of a, a pre-retirement run and start looking at, you know, your financial expenses in a way where you're maybe taking distributions in a certain way. You're understanding, you know, putting your paycheck somewhere else and then actually taking distributions from an account and saying, OK, here's what I'm living on in retirement. How does this impact, um, you know, the overall budget and the cash flow? And I think that the more we can understand about ourselves and our personal spending habits, the better we're going to be in retirement. And, you know, it's not anything that people like to do. It's uh, yeah. probably, you know, one of the, the biggest things, that four letter word when somebody says budget. But I think if you can actually make it more, you know, put it into practice, it's not as cumbersome as most would think. Yeah. And it's not as bad as putting it down on paper because there's so many ways now, like you mentioned, going through credit card reports, going through services like Mint, um, so many areas and ways to make this so much easier than you just having to sit there with the pen and pad and say, here's my budget. Yeah, and I think it's a good time just to get a handle on how your money's been spent this year, especially with maybe some emotionally driven spending that you're not going to do next year, right? You've been pent yeah. up. You want to spend money. You know, I think another thing is you really want to look at where you've been putting money into your uh, health savings account. You know, are you maxing out your health savings account? If you, can you increase your contributions to Roth 401k? You know, are there things that you could do for fourth quarter bonuses coming, right? Where's my emergency reserve right now? Do I have a financial vulnerability cushion? Do I have a year's worth of living expenses in cash? Can I now have a strategy to build that up before the end of the year, right? So this is like the financial housekeeping of things that are so obvious that you may overlook them. Um, have I checked my beneficiaries on IRAs and life insurance? Do I know how many years has it been since I've checked them to make sure they're correct? I mean, I just think it's that time of year, right, to dig up and get into the soil of your 
Um, I sounded like Randy Lemon. Uh, get in, digging into the soil of your finances, right? To get prepared for next year, but also leave this year fiscally strong. Well, in order to know where you're going, you have to know where you've been. And I think it's important to, to make sure that you're doing all those things. And not to mention, Rich, we're about to get into open enroll enrollment for benefits. Um, ah, you know, that, that season's really big come about October. And so you will start to have to make some decisions as far as where you're going to do and what you're going to be doing for the following year. And we see a lot of low hanging fruit that unfortunately people just kind of overlook or don't utilize that a lot of group benefits offer. And so this is where you and I and, and, and all of our advisors, we spend a lot of time looking at these types of things to make sure that people are taking advantage of everything that's out there. And especially from a risk management perspective, um, you know, there's sometimes some things that you can do to make sure that uh, your family is, is protected that, you know, we just overlook and it's easy to do. So, you know, there's a lot of things to start to, to think about from a financial standpoint as far as making sure you have all these things in place. But Danny, you bring up a really, really good point that I didn't think about. How are employee benefits packages going to change because of the pandemic? Is there a change? Will we be going yep. more toward a high deductible plan because of healthcare costs and the lingering effects of COVID, right? Do you understand how that works? What benefits do we maybe have to take away what benefits are we adding? Are we put adding, a, like there are a lot of companies adding wellness programs saying, if you do this, if you go for your physical exam every year, we'll pay you $100. I mean, I think this, to your point, this enrollment period might be a time of change for many packages. So just don't gloss over it which a lot of people do. That's where most people do. They just, oh, I'll just take what I did last year and not really examine, like you almost have to look at your benefits package this year like you're a new employee coming in, don't you think? Oh, I, I think you need to each and every year because mm -hmm. things change, things change within the plan. Also, we do realize that companies are passing on more of the burden to the employee from a healthcare perspective. And I think that, you know, we need to be prepared for that, but we also need to know, okay, if they're going to do this, there may be some other benefits and things that we can take advantage of. Like if you do now, you know, only have these high deductible health plans to that are offered. Well, okay, that's that may not may not be great, but it may not be terrible either, because maybe now you can contribute to that health savings account. Um, but understand how to use these things properly. We're going to talk more and more about that as we're getting into the season. Um, but I think that these are all things that are so intertwined that we can these can lead to very good things, especially in the future. Absolutely. Um your flexible spending account, right? It's not a health savings account. You're going to have to use that money. You might get a grace period of 500 bucks going into next year, but for the most part, it's a use it or lose it. So did you estimate properly? Did you save too much that now you got to run out and try to use it? Have you tried to tie into maybe what your expenses might be next year? Do you need to increase those contributions going forward? Do you need to reduce them? So you got to manage that flexible spending account to figure out, um, engage the best way you can. If not, you better spend the bucks that are in that account. So it's a good time for you to take a look at that and see, hey, this is also a really good time to sort of budget. And I keep my Christmas, my holiday budgets from every year. Last year, I went a little crazy. I'm probably going to go crazy this year. 
Uh, but I've built in the latitude. I know what I'm spending. You want to really get a gauge on what your holiday spending is going to be like this year. So this is a good time to actually formulate that. You know, Danny's going to get a new cough drop box, 25 bucks. You know, Brent's going to get a whole bunch of hot dogs, 30 bucks. Whatever we got to do is I whoa, always— Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hey now, hey now. We're gonna have to offset that, Brent. Well, they're don't plant- worry. I still love you. No, over but here. he doesn't know they're gonna be plant-based. They're gonna be made okay. out of like papaya. Or something. I think that's probably just as bad. I mean, I don't no, know. No, well, we'll, we'll just make sure it, the hot be, dog. It will be his, his system will just totally. Yeah, make sure the hot make- dog buns are whole wheat. Oh, yeah, because that's healthy yeah. for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll make sure of that. See, throw some sauerkraut on there. That's an anti-inflammatory. Does that even matter yeah. anymore? <laughs> I don't. I relish the thought. <laughs> uh, when I was a kid, you want to know how bad we ate? You would go to the grocery store, and they had a box of marshmallows. You know, like Peeps? Yeah. Shaped as hot dogs. So not only were your hot dogs bad for you, we had candy shaped like hot dogs that were bad for you. Why am I still here? <laughs> Maybe I'm just well-preserved. Um, so... Flexible spending account, very important. Health savings account, very important. Man, Danny, you really hit one today out of the park with that uh, enrollment package, your benefits package. You're really going to have to fine-tune that. You need help with it? We can be your set of eyes for you. No charge for that. We will help you go through it, make sure you're doing the right things this time around. Uh, We're always happy to do that. Again, take a look at our new design on our uh, website. Looks great. Sign up for Lance's Daily Commentary. Awesome. Before you hit up your yogurt and hot dogs in the morning, uh, you know all about the market and economic conditions. Lance back Monday. We'll see you next Friday. Thanks for tuning in. We appreciate you. Get daily investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet. Sign up for the Real Investment Report now at realinvestmentadvice.com. It's a rich man's world.